Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. And there are so many ways that you can join us, one of which is Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report, and our email address. Keep those emails coming. Contact at yourtechreport.com. Awesome show lined up for you guys, but before we get to that, let's talk to Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Mitchell, how are you feeling this week? Oh, you finally got to me. Oh, how bitter did I just sound? I'm, I'm doing great, Mark. I, I can't even fake the bitter thing. I'm doing great. I, this is, I feel like I say this every week, but it's every week it seems to be true. I, I feel like, again, we have so much to look forward to. I'm looking forward to E3 is only a couple of weeks away. Um, you know, after that, Comic-Con is coming up. After, I mean, there are so many cool things that are happening. And, of course, you know, coinciding with E3, Mark, we should be getting our hands on the new DJI Spark drone. So, you know, we're going to have our hands-on review. We're going to have a YouTube video. And, uh, again, we have a lot of, you know, maybe we'll do a little tease. There's a lot of stuff going on on YouTube, including maybe a giveaway that we'll talk about at some point. I don't know. Mm. I'm throwing it out there. I'm throwing it out. Well, maybe, you know, yeah, you know. Let's, let's maybe do a giveaway this week. Let's, let's announce something, shall we? I, I would like that. So, you want me to do it? No, 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 no. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Wait till the end of the segment, okay? Wait all right, the end all right. I'll, I'll keep it together. Here Coming up on this week's show, Christine Tan from Best Buy joined us to talk about a very cool initiative that they have going with Google. Plus, we're going to take a different angle on the Apple WWC, the, World, the Worldwide Developers Conference. It kicks off on Monday, so depending when you're listening to the show, Monday at 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time. The cool thing is we, we're going to preview the event, but we're also going to talk to somebody who's going to the event, a developer who won a scholarship. He's a Canadian developer goes to the University of Guelph. He won a scholarship to go to WWDC. So we're going to talk to him probably in the second segment of this show as we talk about WWDC and what we're going to expect from this event. So that's coming up on this week's show. But but lots of fun news and stuff to get to this week, Mitchell. It's it's I find that we get bogged down sometimes with interviews and stuff like that. And, and also those emails. I want to thank everybody. We get so many emails. Like the inbox gets completely congested. We can't obviously get to them all. Um, but we do get a lot of emails. And we, we rely on these. And I talk about this in our YouTube videos as well. And we really rely on you guys and embrace your comments because we use it to shape what we bring you on the show. You guys ask for certain products you want to learn more about them. We reach out to the company. We get a review unit. We do an interview. So... We, we try and really build the show. It isn't just like a, a talking point. We really do try and build the show around what our listeners, our YouTube viewers, what you guys want. So keep it coming because what, whatever you guys ask for, we do our best to reach out for and get. And, you know, we're just going to keep on doing that. Especially those cool videos and pictures that you guys keep sending us. Remember that, that drone footage we had of the Montreal flooding? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. sent to us by our listener. I want to thank him for that. Um, and lots of stuff that we post on YouTube and, and uh, of course, our social media. Anyway, let's, let's get to stuff, obviously, this week. Nest. Remember Nest, our good thermostat friends that are owned by Google now. Of course. They, yeah. They've unveiled a brand new Nest Cam. They call it the Nest Cam IQ. It's a $299 price point, which is a pretty cool price point. It's feature, it features a 4K smart home camera that uses Google's artificial intelligence for facial recognition, so it can actually identify who is in your home, which can allow you to trigger different events. So basically, you would have people registered whose faces are registered. If it picks up somebody in your home that is not registered, it'll tell you. I mean, that, that's that's pretty interesting. The only the only thing I think of when I think of and Mark, maybe am, am I alone in this? I'm not a negative person. You know, I'm a positive person. I get excited about tech, but when I hear a 4K camera in your home, I'm thinking 
that's going to hog some bandwidth. So you have to make sure when you're getting devices like this that you have the appropriate amount of bandwidth, a decent internet connection yeah. that will allow the streaming so it doesn't clog up the rest of your home network. Am I crazy to think about that when I hear that? No, no. I think that you're, it's very smart to think about that. The okay. other thing to think about when you use a 4K camera for something like this is the ability to use that AI to zoom in and get high-definition zoomed-in images, which is how it works. And this is something that Google talked about at their developer conference, I.O. They talked about using machine learning and AI in different forms and this is one example of how they're using that. It's sort of you know it's sort of like when people take an ultra high resolution picture of something with the intention of cropping in, and even when you crop in, the resolution is beautiful because you took it at such a high res level. It's the same thing with a 4K camera. If you take the beautiful video, you can, like you said, you can zoom in and still have it be 1080p, even if you're taking a section of the of the video away. So that's really that's pretty cool. Moto Motorola uh, unveiled the brand new Z2 Play. Now this is the second generation of that whole modular ecosystem with the Moto mods. The Z2 Play. Uh, you know, it, it's basically not like the Z was, which was really, really ultra thin. It is much thinner. It features an incredible processor with four gigs of RAM. It's got a great camera. But the thing that we're hearing about this is that, you know, as a result of all these new features and slimming it down, is battery life is going to be affected. But we will wait to pass judgment when we get our review unit and get hands on. You know, this doesn't bother me that much, Mark, because I call this sort of thing a purpose device. You know, it isn't your typical smartphone. I, I, we loved, you know, the Z Play, the original Z Play, right? Because it, it was so flexible. It let you turn your phone into a JBL speaker, into a Pico projector. Uh, it, it had all these great Hasselblad camera. And when you're doing that, I think you're a different type of user than the person that just wants to make sure, oh, I'm, I'm not going to charge my phone for two days and see how long I can push it. It's made to be using with these different mods and different devices. So I think there has to be a compromise somewhere. So I think people will be understanding. And Moto, I think, is doing a great job with these new phones. And I'm glad that we focused on it a little bit because I think a lot of people are so caught up sometimes in the iPhones and the Galaxies and the LGs that they forget that Moto still makes some fantastic phones and these mods are a great addition too. There's a new product that's going to be announced next week that we got our hands on, Mitchell, and this is the Belkin Thunderbolt 3 HD Express Dock. This is something that was announced over at CES 2017. We were waiting to find out when is it going to be available. It's on the Belkin website. You know it's going to be $299. You know what features it has, but no one got hands-on with it. Still now, if you check YouTube, no one has hands-on videos except for somebody. And that was Belkin was kind enough to send me a review unit uh, before it's even announced. I mean, the press release has not even gone out yet. But if you want to take a look at this dock, this is one of those solutions that I think people who bought the new MacBook Pro are seeking. And we had a review of the OWC doc, but this is another option for you depending on what your needs are. And and I, I can't get enough of these docs because, like, you know, you introduced me to the dongle life. I don't know if I should be embracing you or cursing you. Maybe a little bit of each. But, you know, I love the new MacBook Pro. Thanks to you, I did dive in. We, we all know that I use Mark as a guinea pig for new, product, new products and new operating systems. So after, you know, he loved his, I went and got mine. And it really makes the USB-C issue a non-issue. The fact that they did take away all the legacy ports. The Belkin dock, of course, brings back. I think, you know, there. what is it missing? An SD card? slot. That's the only thing I can think of that, oh, I wish it had that. Yeah. But it has the USB, you know, a port that you can put a, a USB C, I mean, a USB card reader in or a SD card reader in. So it's not a big deal. So it's definitely worth a look. And if you have a MacBook Pro, it's a product. It's one of these products you must look into because you'll never miss another port again. All, all these pro, all these docks have different, uh, you know, different use cases. And I think, yes. as you said, you know, it doesn't have an SD slot. It has nine ports. It has display port, which other docks don't have. So there's That's a right. use case for every single one of these and I think this is definitely a great one. We went, did a complete hands-on. I, I jacked it into absolutely everything that I could possibly think of. It looks and great, great, too. great performance, including, obviously, pass-through power on that USB-C, which is something that we, we you know, it really makes USB Type-C and, of course, Thunderbolt 3 that much more impressive. And I think what people think about, and when it comes to something like this, and listen, a device like this is going to sit on your desk. This isn't a tiny little dongle. It is meant to sit on the desk or go with you and sit on a desk wherever you go. And because of that, design does come into it. And the design of it is beautiful. It has this beautiful machined aluminum look. And I think when it comes to products like this, it isn't just about performance. It's about, is this something I want to keep on my desk? So I think Belkin hit it out of the park. It really looks good, too. Now, DirecTV, when they announced their DirecTV Now streaming platform, it was a while back. It was in late 2016 in December. They talked about it coming 
coming to more and more devices. Well, they finally have made their way onto Roku devices. Now, this is not to be mistaken with their regular streaming service. So if you have just regular streaming and DirecTV account, this is not the app. This is specifically for those cord cutters who use the DirecTV Now service. And this is something we should talk to Meredith over at AT&T about because now we're going to see DirecTV Now, no pun intended, obviously making its way onto all these different <laughs> platforms. But Roku, as you you and I know, and we talk about on the right. show a lot, we, we are so fond of their devices. And, and the, the, you know, as for price point starting at you know $19 all the way to, to $4.99, depending on which device you want. Now, with any of those range of devices, you can get DirecTV Now, which makes it so much easier for those cord cutters. Absolutely. And you talk about Roku being at the cutting edge of all this stuff, you know, and to this day, they keep on coming out with better. Their 4K streaming devices are absolutely brilliant and compact and just beautiful design and great software. And that's what I think of when I think of Roku. They have all these channels, great software engineering on their side as well. The fact is that streaming stick that's been around for a few years, that is still my go-to streamer when I'm on the road because it slips in my pocket. I plug it in the kids Tracy and I, we all have entertainment. So bravo. Now we could take DirecTV with us too. Still to come on this week's show, we're going to talk to, obviously, as we said, a developer who got a scholarship to go to WWDC, Apple's developer conference. Speaking of Apple, they finally announced that this was originally delayed, the launch of their Carpool Karaoke show, which obviously was a take on the James Corden show. That's going to launch on August 8th. I think we're going to see a lot of announcements in terms of things launching and and different milestones for that company come the keynote on Monday. What do you think? I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see. I think there are going to be some people that may be upset. Uh, Mark, you and I may be among them because I'm hearing, of course, that we're, we might be seeing the, the, the KB Lake finally MacBook Pro, which you said wouldn't come out till the end of the year, which made me dive in and buy my MacBook Pro. And now the KB Lake version is going to be coming out and I'm going to be really mad. Did I say end of 2017 or did I say end of 2016? <laughs> you said toward the end of 2017 and I'm still, and I thought about this and said, you know what? It, but here's the thing. I looked at my wife. I looked at Tracy said, you know what? Even if the KB Lake processor comes out, I'm so happy with this MacBook Pro. And that's, I think, Mark, big picture. People have to realize there are always going to be new iterations. There's always going to be buyer's remorse. Yeah. The, the, the life cycle of these products, they get refreshed so, more, so much more frequently now. As long as your device does what you need it to do and you're happy with it, you can't get caught up in the game of, oh, but there's going to be a faster one next year because I'm so happy with what I have now. I'm not going to be that distressed or distraught when I see the new processors. I hate you, Mark. <laughs> Let's get this more done. WWDC projections or prognostications. We're going to sure. take a quick break. It is your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Mark Aflalo. Again, follow along with us on Twitter. It is at your tech report. Facebook.com slash your tech report. Our YouTube channel. If you want to check out that Belkin doc is YouTube.com slash your tech report. Oh, and oh, what about that giveaway? You know what? After the break, we're going to kick off that giveaway right here. Stick around. There's more your tech report after this. Now, back to your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. Mark Aflalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Follow along on Twitter. It is at your tech report. Facebook.com slash your tech report. YouTube.com slash your tech report. Go to YouTube, Mitchell, because there's an announcement there. There's an announcement on YouTube about our next giveaway. It's been, took a couple weeks hiatus, I think, because we wanted to give people some time to rest. Because it's, it's tough, man. It's tough just trying to give away all this stuff and trying to win. I mean, I can imagine the <laughs> listeners having a hard time entering all these contests. and uh, So what do, we, what do we have today, sir? Uh, well, our, our friends at AT&T, I'm expecting some big drum. I'm expecting a bit of fanfare, Mark, for goodness sake. Like some Price is uh, Right music? Here we go. <laughs> exactly. We go. Oh, thank you. Just what I was missing. Um, our friends at AT&T were kind enough to pr- provide us with a pair of Beats X wireless Bluetooth earbuds. And these headphones are really cool because, they, first of all, they were announced at the same time as uh, AirPods, right? Yep. But I think they got lost in that announcement because everyone was so excited about the AirPods. They didn't realize that Beats X were also coming out, which are, you know, they're still wireless, but they're wired to each other. They're just wireless to your device. But they go around the back of your neck. They, they have great battery life. They have that same W1 chip. So once you pair it with your iPhone, it automatically pairs with every other iOS device you have that you're logged into your you know iCloud account on. They're really great headphones, lightweight, and they have interchangeable silicone tips. Love that. So you don't have to worry about them fitting, which was the big problem that you had with, and a lot of people had with the AirPods, is that they were molded plastic and they didn't have any uh, you know in, interchangeable tips. So if they either fit or they didn't. You will not have that problem with the Beat, Beats X. Go to youtube.com slash your tech report. Check them out because we're making it really easy to win these things. Oh, we're making is, it really easy. Just subscribe to the channel, make a comment on the video, 
and like it. That's it. There's nothing That's else. You have to just do, do that. Yeah. Share it with as many people as you want. You can, you know, just have some fun with it. We really want to give these away. We really want you guys to enjoy it. These are great headphones. Beats the audio quality is phenomenal on Beats headphones yep. across the board. The addition of that W one trip, what W one chip is, is phenomenal because pairing. I mean, you saw it. you just basically turn them on and your phone recognizes them, right? And what, pe- yeah, and what people don't really realize is is the W1 chip does more than that. It also increases Bluetooth range and enhances battery life. So it's like the trifecta in the chip world. And, um, you know, just in the bigger, bigger picture, it does that as well. But like you said, being able to instantly, once you pair, and, and you know how it works with the AirPods, same thing with Beats X. As soon as you turn them on, it prompts a message on your mobile device, and you pair them instantly. There's none of this, oh, what number do I have to type? It really is a seamless sort of integration with your Apple lifestyle. So definitely something you're going to want, go check it out. You may win. And if not, you may win something else. We're going to give something away again soon, so don't worry about it. So WWDC Worldwide Developers Conference, in case you're wondering what that stands for, uh, kicks off on Monday, (laughs) June 5th. uh, The keynote address, which is, uh, you know, famously one of these events where things are announced, such as the original iPhone was announced at a keynote event. It was Macworld at the time. Um, uh, It happens at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to find out the news, you can either tune into our Twitter channel at your tech report you can uh, log on online. You'll find out all the announcements, and, and we'll of course bring it all to you on our on next week's show. We'll talk all about everything that's going on. Plus, we've got a really cool developer coming up uh, in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk to him about his experience, how he's got a scholarship to go down to WWDC. But I mean, so this is a good time to prognosticate. I mean, obviously, at these developers conference, Apple engineers are on hand. They're there to help developers learn new APIs, find out what's in store for the next software iterations of both iOS, the mobile operator operating system, and also macOS, their desktop operating system. So lots of cool things that I think we're going to see on that front, see what is in store for us, because I think Absolutely. hardware really has kind of taken a, what's what's the word, you know, taken a, taken second stage to the taking software when it comes seat. to, a backseat back to the developers' go, yeah. uh, conference. But we are expecting, <laughs> there are some rumors, lots of rumors about new iPhones, although we don't expect to see anything about the iPhone. Um, there I is agree. a rumor about a new 10-inch iPad. I mean... Is it true? Is it not true? No one really knows until Apple announces something. But there's a lot of rumor about iPad and a speaker. Uh, let's start with the iPad first. I do think we are going to see a refresh of some time of some type. A refresh of some type in in the iPad Pro line is what we're hearing, and we're talking size wise something basically in between the current nine point seven for the regular size and the twelve point nine for the for the larger size. Um, I do think there'll be a refresh. I'm not exactly sure what form it'll take. I think it'll be odd though. If they're increasing the size of the screen, it will only be an increase in the size of the screen, kind of like what we're hearing on the phone side where the form factor will stay the same because, remember, Apple makes a ton of money on accessories, Mark. For them to have to go out to third-party manufacturers right now in sort of a mid-cycle change and go to a new form factor for the iPad would be an odd choice when this form factor has worked for so long. So you actually think there's going to be a new iPad that's going to take the physical form of that 9.7-inch iPad we look we love, but we're going to see the bezel stretch thin the out. Yep. We're going to see the screen yep. stretch out, much like yep. we're expecting to see or, or you know, expected to see on other devices. Correct. I definitely think that's going to happen. I also want to jump to the next thing you talked about, which was the possibility of a speaker. And for those of you who don't know what Mark is talking about, we've been hearing a lot of rumors, and we, we try not to get tied into the rumor mill too much because we only have an hour a week with you guys, not including replays, and we want to make sure we're bringing you news that we're excited about that we know about, but there has been a rumor going around that Apple is going to launch their own Siri-based speaker, a la Google Home and Alexa, uh, you know, all the Echo speakers for Amazon, that is going to have a screen uh, and obviously integrated Siri. Now, Mark, uh, forgetting whether or not you think this is true or not, what do you think about this product? And not only not only this product, Mark, but the timing of it when we have Google and Amazon really entrenched in this world with great reputations. Is is Apple way behind the eight ball and should they not even bother? I, do, I think they have to announce a product like this. Okay. Much like they had to announce a larger iPad, much like they had to introduce that Apple Pencil, I think Apple has to release a product that has Siri built in because they need to compete in this market. They created a great ecosystem in HomeKit for the home, um, but not many easy-to-use ways to integrate those things. Yes, you've got a great home app, but Siri right now on the iPhone and iOS 
is not great. I mean, especially if you put her up side-by-side with Google Home, if you put her up side-by-side with Amazon Echo. I mean, Amazon, the the funniest part is Amazon, a company that is not notorious for building hardware, is so far ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Is so far ahead of everybody else that it's absolutely amazing. But here's the funny thing when you think about it. Amazon, as far ahead as they are, they're far ahead in the English-speaking U.S. market. They have no global footprint for Amazon Echo. There's really? nothing. No, it's not available. It's still not available in Canada. It's wow. not available in other languages. So as much as we hear about it, it's all about your country. It's all about the U.S. market, which gives this perception that it's much larger than it is. This is where Apple has an advantage over everybody else. Siri already works in all these languages in all these markets. So if they come out with a product that is good, a good product that has a solid base and a lot of features and a lot of ways to integrate with existing devices, whether it be HomeKit or non-HomeKit, and it's available in all those languages and all those markets, they can instantly, with one release cycle, trample upon Amazon and their stronghold of the market because of that reason alone. That, that's an excellent point, Mark, and I, I was just dying to jump in there because I think people don't think about that, especially we get so myopic uh, when it comes to our own region, our own territories, whether it's uh, North America, Europe, and, and I, I think you're right. There's this perception that, yes, Amazon is way ahead of the curve, but you're right. The, the biggest market is the global market. It's great to sell to your own country, especially in the States, which is a big country, but we forget there are much bigger countries, much bigger continents out there than our own that have millions and billions of you know possible customers, so you're Right, that's a big deal. Now, the one thing I wanted to touch on that you mentioned was, again, you said Apple has to, almost has to do this, has to release a, a product that's sort of commensurate with uh, Google Home and you know the Echo line from Amazon. But isn't it funny how Apple has sort of changed its MO where Apple is now being responsive to the market instead of being a trendsetter in the market? It's something we talked about a long time ago when Apple made that transition to putting out products that other people followed versus having to follow products that other companies have made. Is this an extension of that? And is it a dangerous game for Apple, who has prided itself on creating products that we never thought we needed? Now they're responding to products that other companies made two and three years ago. That begs the question as to whether or not releasing a speaker is a response. Could they be waiting to release a product that is ready? They've made some mistakes in the past. Mm -hmm. They've made mistakes with the Mac Pro. They've made mistakes with Apple Maps, releasing things before they are ready. And this has been a company that, if you remember those Johnny Ive videos or those interviews, those few interviews that he did do, he always talked about not following the pack. And he always talked about releasing something when it's ready. And it's something that, for example, DJI does. DJI does this really well. The only thing about that DJI does differently is they don't necessarily wait. They just release it. When they have something cool, they're like, let's get this out. Let's get this out. Forgetting about what they did yesterday, they release it. You know, whether it be the Spark, whether it be a a Phantom Pro Advanced, even though, you know, six months after they announced it. The Phantom Pro Plus that came out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is something they do really well. So the question is, is, um, sure, it can be perceived as Apple responding to competitors. 100%. 100%. Anytime you release a product a day later, you could be perceived as responding to a competitor. What that product features, the feature set and the uh, usability and how it differs, you know, there could be a lot of lessons that they've learned software-wise, for example, not being able to be used by more than one person on the Amazon Echo. You know, um, Google obviously learned that and released that update to their product fairly quickly to the market. So what will the product be? How will it differ? And how is Apple going to sell it as unique? Because when they go on the stage and they announce something, it's going to be hard for them to say this is a different product than what you've seen in the Echo or in the Google Home. It's hard to do that when it is a copy. Well, here's the thing. We're forgetting about the most important component of what we're talking about here, and that is the Apple customer. The Apple consumers, like no other consumer out there, they are so hungry for Apple products. I mean, look at us. Look at everyone out there that's saying, you mean we could have an edge-to-edge display on the iPhone? We could have wireless charging? And you're thinking, uh, guys, uh, Galaxy, uh, Samsung, they did this years ago. Um, this isn't a new technology. But to Apple users, to iOS users, this is, oh my gosh, can you believe they're finally... And that's why, that's why Samsung made those goofy commercials making fun of Apple users. Like, oh, they're finally giving us something that we've had for two years already. 
And we're not, we really have to take into account the Apple customer does, yeah, has their own metric. They don't care if other companies have done it first. They don't care if other companies maybe do it a little better. As soon as Apple does it, it is a new product. So I think the Apple customer and the mentality of, if Apple's making it, it's going to be good and we're going to love it. That plays heavy into this as well. We love speculating about what's in store for the next version of iOS and Mac OS, but we wanted to preview it a little bit differently this year and kind of from a different angle. And no, I, I'm excited about this because, you know, when it comes to uh, companies like Apple, we, we know they're doing all sorts of things in, in education, helping people, bringing people in teaching, and we don't really get to talk about the human stories of these big companies as much as we'd like to. So this is really, really a cool thing. So every year, Apple gives out these scholarships, and this these go to up-and-coming coders and programmers so they can come to WWDC because, number one, the ticket's expensive, flying oh, out yeah. there is expensive, and, 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 and being there, you benefit by all these resources and all these Apple engineers. So more than a dozen of them this year are from Canada, and on the line with us right now is one of them, Reed Nantes. Reed, welcome to your tech report. How are you feeling? You Great, are at WWC you. in a couple of weeks. Like this must feel pretty good, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I'm so excited to go. So Reed, tell me, tell me something. This process in getting this scholarship, how did it work? Did, it, did you just go to the website you want to buy a ticket, or was it, there was a whole in-depth kind of Q and A? How did it work? Well, if you want to buy a ticket, it's like sixteen hundred bucks around, and uh, uh, you, you, there's also the scholarship uh, route where this year you had to create a something called a um, a playground in Swift. Yep. So it would uh, it's technically just like a small app. Um, it was supposed to be like three minutes, be able to like exp- be experienced in three minutes, and then you wrote a, a quick two questions about you and like how coding like relates to your life and stuff like that. And I was lucky enough to win. Very cool. T- tell us, tell us a bit about your story, because when did you start getting the interest? When did you feel the interest in coding and programming and computers? Well, I know probably like a lot of your listeners, like I've, I've always had love technology, consumer technology, but I only really started programming when uh, in high school, grade 10, 11, 12 is when I started like just the basic programming just learning my way around variables, all those basic concepts. And then just recently, I knew I decided I wanted to go into computer science full time. So that's why I went to the University of Guelph. Um, I, I was in their co-op uh, program this year. And last year, I just always wanted to like create an app. I know a lot of people probably have that desire too. I've just been really messing around with uh, Swift, which is the language that Apple uses now. That's why I applied to WWDC and I uh, was lucky enough to get it. So. You know, Rita, I'm glad you told us a little bit of the backstory because I think there's this idea, especially when it comes to technology, as much as people love consumer technology, I think there's this fear of getting into, oh, that's something I can't do. That's not accessible to me. But like you said, this isn't something you decided when you were three or four years old. You were actually in high school when you thought this is something that I can really, that I'd really like to do. So for anybody out there that's listening, this isn't something you had to have started doing when you were a little, little kid. This is something that you can decide later on and really kind of catch on as you go along right Mm -hmm, for sure and there's like so many resources online you can get started with it so like you can always start small like practice like i always like to practice on little projects that i think would be cool or useful maybe just silly things so you just it just builds and builds and uh yeah well, you know, I have to, I have to back, I have to back up to almost as if we were starting the beginning of the interview because I wanted to hear your reaction when you actually found out that you were chosen. Because Mark and I always talk about, oh, what would it be like to be at a keynote? We'd love to be there. So the excitement, not only of going to the keynote, but knowing that you have this scholarship. What was your reaction like? Were you, were you in disbelief when you found out? Did you think it was a joke or wow, what was your reaction? I was. I did not think I was going to get it. Like when I submitted, I'm like, oh, okay, it's there's like little chance, but the email and I saw that they were out I was my my chest was just pumping <laughs> and yeah and uh I've always wanted to go to like an Apple keynote Steve Jobs ones were like, like iconic yeah. so just they're probably one of the like the biggest one of the biggest industry events every year and I always like watch them anyways in my room like in my bed I just watch them anyway so it'll be amazing just to be there Absolutely. What What do you hope to gain from being there, other than obviously experiencing the keynote and having access to those developers? Is there anything specific you want to walk away with? I know, like, I want to see like the new technology, <laughs> what they ha- have in store, the new APIs for developers and stuff like that. Apple engineers that you can actually talk to, and maybe they'll help you look through your code, which is like really cool. And I know there's all the sessions you can go to. Apart from that, there's always 
uh, opportunity for networking and stuff like that. So that'll be really. You know, you mentioned you know the Apple engineers, and I just want I, I was thinking about that. I was as, as I was asking asking the question before about your level of excitement. It occurred to me for Mark and I to go. We just love the excitement of being there and seeing the new products and the new announcements and the excitement of being in the audience. But for you and for people like you that are there to learn and soak up every second of it, access to those Apple engineers, which is really what WWDC is all about at its core. You can't even put a value on that because that time, having them look at your code, having their ear, being able to ask questions and interact, that's invaluable, isn't it? Yeah, that'll be really cool. But there's some things you can just ask. You want to ask like in-depth questions. You can't really do that anywhere else, but... So that'll be really interesting. Yeah, there's there's no replacing that human that human one-on-one interaction. Reed, I hope you have a, a great WWDC. I'd love for you to come on when you're when you're done and hear all about the things that you've learned. And uh, and I wish you all the best of luck in your career. Great, thanks so much. Follow all our WWDC coverage on next week's show, and of course, follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com/slash Your Tech Report, and of course, YouTube.com/slash Your Tech Report. Back in a moment. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Now, back to your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. Marco Flalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles on Twitter. It is at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report, and of course, the YouTube pages of YouTube.com slash your tech report. Mitchell, it is time to time shift ourselves over to uh, another side of my country because she's in the same side of your country, at least this week, and welcome <laughs> our good friend Christine Tam over on from Best Buy. Christine, welcome. Thank you for having me. Christine, you know, we were going to talk to you about Father's Day stuff, but uh, this thing landed on my desk and it talked about Google Expeditions and Best Buy Canada getting involved with Google, putting VR in the classroom. And I'm like, oh, well, we got to talk to you even sooner. Because I, I got to know more about this. Can you tell me about this program? We are so excited about this program. So this is the first time that Google Expeditions is going to be available in Canada and uh, exclusively sold through Best Buy Canada through our Best Buy for Business uh, department. And uh, what it is, is it's a virtual reality field trip. So it's a whole education system. Um, we sell the kits in 10, 20, or 30 classroom sizes. And it comes with uh, virtual reality headsets for all the kids, um, phones, its own router system, uh, a tablet for the teacher um, already loaded with the app. And there are over 500 virtual field trips that students can go on. You know, Christine, this is something that Mark and I have been talking about for a really long time where everyone's talking about VR. And we've actually, you know, from you at Best Buy, we have, of course, the PlayStation VR. There's so many applications in gaming that we've talked about. But really, the in the classroom for learning, for students that want to go other places, explore, this is really an invaluable tool that everyone should have their hands on, right? Exactly. So it's not meant to replace the traditional field trip where you're going to get outside mm-hmm. locally and, you know, go to a museum or go on a hike. But what's really cool about it is that if you're learning, if the students are learning about uh, the Great Wall of China or the moon or um, whales, you know, they can actually go on a virtual field trip to these places. And that wouldn't be possible in real life. So um, you can actually see whales uh swim by you underwater, you can go back in time and see dinosaurs in 3D when you're learning about that in the class. How cool is that? That is, that is awesome. It's, as you said, it's kind of, it's, it's really exploding the field trip, really. I mean, it doesn't replace local field trips to various places, but the ability to, to go to locations, like you said, the Great Wall or whatnot, that's insane. Are there any other, I, I noticed that one was mentioned, uh, the Acropolis or even going to Mars. So we're, we're expanding into space at this point, aren't we? Oh, exactly. The space <laughs> one is very cool. I mean, there's, there's a bunch. There's over 500 field trips, so there's a few space ones to choose from. You can go to Mars, you can go to the Moon, you can just you know explore the solar system. And uh, what's great about the kits that we're currently making is that it's not just still images uh, in virtual reality. It'll actually be video. So you'll see um, you know shooting stars go by you. You'll see um, animals actually you know walk by you if you're learning about that, which um, makes it a really interactive experience. And uh, we demoed it in a class for the first time uh, last week, and the the it was priceless. The kids loved it. The teachers loved it. It was super easy to use um, through the app. So for the teachers, there's a script and questions and points of interest that they can point out. Uh, so it makes it it's super user friendly. The really cool thing about this, Christine, it's not just the hardware that you guys are setting up, but you guys are giving your time as well, because the Geek Squad, if I'm not mistaken, does local, they help with local setup of the whole system, correct? 
They do. They can. So we actually have a program called Geek Squad Academy where Geek Squad agents will actually go into classrooms and teach kids about coding and um, all sorts of technology that's meant to help supplement their education. Um, so these programs are really good. You can go to bestbuy.ca and, and learn more about that. And Google Expeditions um, hopefully will be integrated into that soon. Um, we also, you know, the cost of the kits is not uh, small. They're $6,000 to $15,000 uh, Canadian, depending on the size of the kit. Um, so we know that some schools won't be able to buy this. So we're actually giving away three kits um, in a contest uh, for free to students and schools across Canada. And then also um, schools can apply through our tech grants program to, um, to get a kit for free as well. Where do they get information about the tech grants program? I'm curious just for my own son's school. It's on bestbuy.ca um, through our community program. Uh, so if you search it on our website, you'll be able to find it. Very, very, very cool. I like this. This is really, really neat. And just I can imagine the reaction just, you know, is, is it geared toward a specific age or really? I mean, it's, I guess it transcends age entirely. It really does. So we demoed it with uh, grade three students, um, but it's meant for elementary and secondary. And uh, there's different um, programs and different field trips that you can go on that would apply so to cool. all ages. That is so cool. And, and the thing about it is, I mean, and Christine, tell me if you if you think if you've had this experience as well. I mean, there's a definite visceral response to virtual reality. It's the same thing with gaming. The difference between looking at a game on a television versus being inside the game. And when you're teaching as a teacher, there's a difference when you're reading something in a book or showing a picture versus when you are standing in the Grand Canyon and when you are standing on the Great Wall. When you get that first person perspective, it's a completely different experience, a completely immersive experience that you can't really quantify until you've really experienced it yourself. It's so true. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, you know, we'd read about it in books and we'd look at pictures and then now uh, students can watch videos. But to actually be there, feel like you're there on top of Mount Everest, uh, it creates an entirely different um, experience for students and it actually enhances critical thinking. You know, it enhances their ability to, to learn. It really does. That's awesome. Okay, so Christine, we obviously talk to you when it comes to gift-giving season time. Obviously, it's Christmas is quite some time off, but Father's Day is right around the corner. What do you guys have going on? What, what should we kind of focus on this time around? Yeah, so it's very exciting. Uh, it's time to honor our dads, which is one of my favorite times of the Finally. year, for sure. <laughs> we wait for it all year round. And I think what's really, um, you know, what we're focusing on this year is, why don't buy your dad something that you can... It, that will facilitate an activity with your dad. So uh, say your dad is really into golfing, uh, as many dads are. Um, we're recommending um, a swing analyzer. So this is really cool. Depth Golf 3D Swing Analyzer. Um, it'll actually, it just attaches to your golf glove and it'll analyze your swing and give you data points um, per second. It'll give you instant evaluations and smart coach training. So that's something if you guys are going out golfing together, um, you know, you can bring that along and it's a fun activity to do with your dad. Yeah, no, it's definitely cool. It's like having a coach in your pocket, really. <laughs> exactly. As long as it's not Tiger Woods, but we won't go there. Um, oh, <laughs> what, what else do you have going on? So um, along that same vein, um, if your dad likes football or basketball, Wilson makes these awesome connected uh, game balls. And uh, so you can go out and throw around the pigskin with your dad or shoot some hoops. And uh, then on your, you know, uh, tablet or phone, you can actually see, you know, how fast you threw, your spiral efficiency, the catch drop rate, and more. So that's another really good activity and gets you outside with your dad, which is, which is awesome. That is really cool. That is awesome. Especially, I love, I love the activity portion of it because you can actually get physically involved. Exactly. Um, one thing that's kind of out of the box, I think a lot of people don't really think about um, as they get older and out of, you know, school age is telescopes. Um, and this is something that you can do with your dad um, and kids of any ages. Um, we're recommending the Celestron AstroMaster 130 EQ telescope, and it's a dual-purpose telescope. So you can, um, you know, view very clear images of the moon and the planets and go out stargazing with your dad, um, which is a great activity. That is really, really cool. And you guys are coming up with, see, you're coming up with ideas, Christine, out of the box for me because we're so used to thinking about gadgets and sitting, but I love the idea, as Mark said earlier, of getting out of the house and the stargazing portion. The telescope is huge because recently I found out a bunch of my friends have gotten into astral photography and especially with digital cameras, with cell phones. It's a great hobby and this is a great way to sort of get people's toes wet in that water. It's a great, great fun hobby to, to do. 
It really, really is. And, and yeah, something out of the box that people don't necessarily think about right away when they think about Father's Day. Um, you know, when you think about Father's Day, uh, and if your dad is super um, techy, uh, a good gift is something like a smartwatch. So Fossil Q, Marshall Gen 2 um, smartwatch, you know, they look really great. They come in a few different, um, you know, finishes, and you can pick one that will suit your dad's style. And uh, it will be, you know, a fitness tracker, and it'll connect to your phone, and you get text messages on it. Um, so that's a great gift for um, a techie dad. Okay, so here, here's something that's a little bit outside of the box, Christine, because since we're thinking outside the box, you're giving us all these great ideas. Uh, do you guys have something there that will, that will give anyone who tries to wake you before 11 a.m. on Father's Day a slight electrical <laughs> impulse that will dissuade them from doing this ever again? That is brilliant. <laughs> I'll work on that for next year. I was going <laughs> to say, we, we have to check the legalities. Name. We don't want anyone to get in trouble legally for this, but it'll be great. Just a little, a little shock. A little shock. That would, just you know, nothing. stick with them for life. Just a little, <laughs> little, a little reminder, like, hey, it's sleepy time. Time for dad to sleep. Yep, I think that's a great idea. Dads would definitely appreciate it. Now, Christine, there's a couple <laughs> products that were announced over the past uh, week and a week and a half. And, of course, I, I want to make sure people, are, especially our listeners, know that you guys are going to be carrying the new DJI Spark Mini drone. Um, I know that starts to ship from DJI around June 15th. Do you have a date for it to be in store here? I do not have that information, actually, but we're super excited about this drone. Uh, we love drones. Obviously, um, I'm obsessed with them myself, and we have a great range of them at Best Buy. So um, keep an eye out. We'll have it um, that information on our website, bestbuy.ca, pretty soon when you'll be able to get it. Yeah, and I just want to jump in here and tell you that uh, for those of you, you know, you know, we're big you know, drone fans, Christine. We talk about this stuff a lot. And there are some retailers that sell drones or that say, say they sell drones. I went, to the, I went to the bestbuy.ca website here, and... I was blown away by the sheer number of drones you guys carry from all the different manufacturers, from DJI to Unique and everything in between. Plus all the accessories, too. I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, including accessories that really most retailers do not keep in stock that you're forced to order directly from the company. You guys have a huge selection, and it's great for people that love the hobby. Oh, for sure. And we, uh, you know, we want to make shopping as easy as possible. We don't want you to have to jump around and go to the manufacturer in order to uh, get your drone and get out flying. Um, of course, we always encourage people to know the rules around flying drones. Um, so you can go to Transport Canada and read all about that. But yeah, I mean, we have a great selection of drones, DJI, um, my personal faves, but um, we have so many to choose from. And uh, if you don't know about drones, you can go into the store and learn about them from our blue shirts you can talk to our geek squad agents um and uh it's really fun to learn to fly them too so um i encourage everyone to 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 do their research and, and go out and try it yeah it's gonna be a fun summer for you guys not only the drone front but uh the new surface uh new surface pro is going to be in your stores you got that great microsoft setup so uh we look forward to to checking it all out and uh, of course we encourage people to go to bestbuy.ca for all those uh, great father's day gift ideas christine thank you so much for joining us Thank you very much. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Now, back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. As always, I am Mark Flallow in Montreal, joined by Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Follow along with us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, and our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report. Mitchell, I'm extremely excited about this next interview for many, many reasons, but I can see the excitement in your eyes as well. Oh, there's a reason for that. You know, we, we, we have been asked by our listeners and some YouTube viewers as well, more car coverage. We get a great reaction when we cover cars. And this particular brand has been a favorite of mine for, I can say, I can safely say decades at the risk oh, of dating myself, which of course is bad. Um, just the brand is so iconic and has reimagined itself over the years in such a way that they maintained their core principles. The cars, I can go on and on. I'm going to let you do the intro because I'll just start drooling like an idiot. Yeah. Well, we, we have two guests on the line with us. We have Deb Rushmore, National Product Manager for Mini Canada, and Andrew Scott, Director of Mini Canada. Guys, welcome to your tech report. This is your, your first experience here. We promise not to bite. Thank you so much, and we, lo we look forward to you not biting us. <laughs> guys you know as mitchell kind of said you know the name the name mini describes i mean a whole kind of class of vehicle amount a whole history can we start with the history a bit before for those you know listeners who are unaware of how storied the history of mini is yeah sure and uh, i mean you said it i mean uh, it's an iconic brand and uh, it started with an iconic idea of uh, alec is, is a and uh 
And it, it started from a cocktail napkin, and it, it started with the idea of, uh, of during an oil crisis and, and really trying to figure out a creative use of space and how to fit four adults into a car that could be fuel efficient and be comfortable. And uh, from there, a design sketch, an idea of transverse mounting the engine to have a creative use of space in the car, and thus created the mini brand. And uh, that evolved over the years. He met a gentleman by the name of John Cooper Works, and that's where the name Cooper comes from in our in our naming convention with the, the Mini Cooper. Um, and we got famous with winning rally car races um, in our history and always staying true to the brand with iconic design and always having that sporty nature to our brand, but also being um, a very efficient vehicle, um, both in fuel and in size and in uh, emissions. And it brings us forward to today into the modern world where the BMW Group... Uh, bought the brand and uh, we're celebrating 15 years in North America as I know you guys are, are representing both Canada and the United States on this call and uh, we've been we've been revolutionizing our, our small car segment from both the technology standpoint performance and always staying true to ourselves um, the iconic design of our brands remain true if you look at the silhouette of a mini three-door today you will fully understand that it's a mini when you see it I have a three-year-old daughter, and uh, when she points at the, the, my Mini, she says car. And she <laughs> associates the design of the Mini, the look and feel of it, with what a car is. And, uh, and that's what always remains at the heart of our brand. We're, we're very proud of our heritage. It's come a long way. We've launched um, some big cars, as you would know, with all-wheel drive and the Countryman. But at the heart of our brand is still um, what Alec is going to desi- um, designed. Uh, back in 1959, and we're we're still proud. Uh, Deb and I to represent the brand and uh, and get to do something that's iconic uh, in in everything. We you do. know what's really cool? I mean, I think we both said it in both my intro and what you were just saying about the brand itself. Obviously iconic, but core values and principles. And I think we're in a day and age now. It happens in the movie industry where they remake movies. They do it in the car industry where they remake a car that had an, that was an iconic brand back in the day, and they do a reimagining of it. But in the reimagining process, things get lost. And that's one of the things that impresses me so much about your brand. Nothing got lost in the reimagining process. Everything was there. The compact size that is still incredibly comfortable. It's, an, it's a blast to drive. In today's day and age, having a car that size that's still so incredibly fun to drive, and you have, a, you have a brand that has so many cars within it for every budget and every type of driver. So in that way, you guys really did keep those values where a lot of other companies say they reimagined a car but lose something in the process. You guys absolutely did not. Yeah, and you know what you, you said it, and I mean uh, the one the one piece of engineering that, and uh, as a tech show that uh, your your listeners would probably realize if they get the chance to drive a mini is we put our cars as far forward and as far back as as possible, uh, and that gives the essence of what we call go kart feeling when you're driving the car, and anybody who experiences that puts a big smile on their face, and we haven't lost that from when we initially designed the car um, way back when to today's newest mini. Um, we still have that same go-kart feeling, and within our um, Mini Connected and in our um, user interface on uh, on our navigation system, you will notice that uh, when you hit the sport button, you see the concept of go-kart driving pop up right in front of your face. <laughs> we're not afraid to embrace that. Um, it's endearing to us, and we know with our legions of fans uh, across Canada, the United States, and the world, people embrace that concept with Mini, and it... it keeps bringing them back, and we've got a very loyal following for the brand, exactly like you said. You know, Deb and Andrew, when I, I did a test drive of a BMW 5 Series a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things I kept repeating to myself was how, how technologically advanced the car was, but how subtle it was, uh, the integration of that technology, how it really didn't take away from the experience of driving the car. And I'm curious how that and how the whole BMW ownership um, transcends over into the Mini line. Yeah, I think maybe I'll jump in and take that one from a product perspective. Um, I think you're, you're absolutely right in that uh, a lot of these new technologies, and we talk about gadgets and bells and whistles, are sort of integrated so seamlessly in the car, and it seems as though you know it was really intentional, and it's not uh, it's not gimmicky. It's really done um, to a good quality level. Um, I think that we certainly benefit from some of our shared synergies with our our big brother, our parent company, the BMW Group. Um, but I think also the fact that Mini is a premium vehicle and we're positioned in that way um, really sets the expectation for a lot of these kind of bells and whistles, as you say, that, that are included. And they're so seamless 
to, to get to used to as you're driving. Um, it becomes sort of like a muscle memory. You certainly have a lot of, um, we call them miniosyncrasies, but idiosyncrasies in terms of how to use all of these gadgets and bells and whistles. But, uh, you know, we hear people say time and time again, once I'm in the car for a couple of days, this is kind of how it should be. And when people jump into their other branded vehicles, they look for the toggles and the switches instead of the sort of mainstream way to, to interact with the car. So it's definitely done in, a, in an intentional way, um, and it becomes sort of just you are one with the vehicle. You're one with the Mini. You know, you talk about, Deb, you talk about being one with the Mini, and I wanted to bring up something. There's so much technology, and there's so much so much great technology packed into the Mini brand in general, and in all of your cars, but I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between driver and car, and I know that sounds, for some people, and maybe, oh, that's ridiculous, but Mini drivers, and I have a friend that just got a, a Mini about four months ago, and she is so in love with this vehicle. She had to take it in uh, to have a service done. And she when the, she brought it back out. She had this visceral reaction to, oh, my gosh, I got my Mini back. Not just I got my car back. Mm-hmm. I got my Mini back. Do you guys find, and Andrew, Deb, either one of you can take this as well, but do you find that there's a special different kind of relationship between a Mini owner driver and their car that you don't see with other vehicles? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The The Mini community is just, uh, is just unbelievable. We're so fortunate to have um, such a tight-knit community. Um, one of the craziest things that we've found really from the beginning when we relaunched this brand in North America in 2002, I believe that we have uh, the highest penetration of people who actually name their cars. <laughs> and not only do they name them, but we also have one of the highest uh, followers who actually put the name of their mini on their <laughs> license plate when they can personalize their license plate. So it definitely rings true. I mean, the connection to uh, a Mini is, as you said, it's not just I got my car back, it's I got my Mini back. Um, so it's really a really great, nice thing that we benefit from. Uh, we have all kinds of owner events and owners clubs, and this community network and community feel is just, uh, it's really astounding to see all of the different walks of life that gather together and and what unifies them is their many and, and their connection to it. One, one neat thing to note is uh, in the United States, every, every year um, the mini team there does a, an event called Mini Takes the States, and they travel across um, iconic cities and locations in the United States, and they get tons of followers coming to these events who are so excited just to come and be a part of the brand. And we do something in Canada very similar called Mini Invasion, um, where we invite our fans to come out, and we're planning our Mini Invasion for 2017. And we'll get hundreds of customers coming from uh, all over, all over Canada to come and be a part with other mini owners, and just to kind of see. And this is the unique thing: is customization is such a big part of our story, and personalization, and having a unique mini. And as Deb said, naming your mini because it becomes an endearing part of your family. And they all want to come and see, like what new kid has been added to the family at these events. And uh, we love seeing and hearing these stories, and it's, it's what makes us unique in the automotive industry and uh, a, a part of our, our uh, background that we, we don't want to lose, and uh, we embrace it uh, every single day. Well, I'll tell you a funny story. About, you know, about 15 years ago, when the brand was really reinvented, I was working for a local radio station in Montreal, and it was one of the first invitations that was extended to me to do a, a test drive of the Mini. And I remember a couple things vividly from that experience. Number one is there weren't any other brands really doing that, trying to get people to... You know, really feel the car and come out and feel open, like they can just get into any car and and really experience the history and the drive. And and I love that. But the other thing I remember so vividly was the person who was showing us the car rolled down the window and sat on the door of the car to show how much the body was, you know, how it could take the weight and how this was just because it's a small car. This is not built like a small car. This is built like a really, really tough, tough, tough vehicle. And and that just kind of goes to um, you know your story about getting people out and the whole sense of community. You're one of the first companies, especially here in Canada, who really extended that invitation for people to experience the car. And you felt a little bit closer to it and more, I guess, more up to actually you know drive one or buy one. And I, I applaud that. Yeah, and it's, 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 I mean, you said it, and uh, experiential in driving the car. And I, I talked a lot about um, um, the go-kart feeling and, and what that means. And uh, when people drive our product, they fall in love. Um, no matter if you're a baby boomer, a millennial, a generation X, Y, what have you, it puts a smile on people's faces, and we always want to encourage that. And the best way to experience a Mini is to drive it, and and that's what yeah. it goes back to our heritage with John Cooper and the John Cooper Works projects that we had. Um, it was born out of a love for racing, and he realized the way we built cars was great for racing, 
and it's great for racing down a highway and getting to and from work and, and navigating um, urban areas and uh, and getting in into the city and out of the city. Like these are all aspects of our brand, but at the core of it is the smile it puts on people's faces. And we always encourage people um, to test drive our product because we are a premium brand. And the best way to experience that is by sitting in the car, driving it, and preferably with a manual transmission to get that true feeling of driving the car. Now, you mentioned, obviously, Riley, you mentioned the whole uh, cart feeling. Um, all four all-wheel drive, how does that differ from traditional kind of four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive vehicles? I guess on a smaller car, it also has to act differently as well. Yeah, I'm going to jump in um, here on the all-four question. So basically, we have all-four all-wheel drive on two of our models, so on the Mini Clubman variants as well as on the Mini Countryman. So those are our two larger vehicles. Um, and all-four is sort of our sub-brand, as we call our all-wheel drive system. Um, what I can tell you is it's actually in its second generation, and so it's even improved from when we launched it just a few years ago. Uh, but basically, it's an entirely electronic system. So um, that means it is absolutely instantaneous. There's no on-off. There's no 4x4 high or low like we used to see in some old pickup trucks. Um, it's always there, and it's always working for you. Um, safety is something that's really, really core for the mini brand. May not be the sexiest part of a brand or of marketing, um, but one that we take very seriously. And we have really the underpinnings of one of the you know safest vehicles out there. When we talk about passive safety or active safety, all four all-wheel drive is is one of our kind of claim to fame. Um, the instant um, generation of power. So basically, all of these sensors are monitoring your wheel slip. They're monitoring your steering. They're monitoring your steering wheel input, the speed that you're traveling, the weather conditions. Um, and at the first instance of any wheel slip in any one of the wheels, it will transfer power from front to back. Um, so it basically happens so seamlessly that uh, you really don't know how much it's doing for you. Um, but it's a really advanced system that we're really proud to have um, and have really um, done well for us on the Clubman and the Countryman now. And it kind, of, it kind of works almost like all the technology in that car, where it just it, it works when it needs to work and does what it's supposed to do when it's doing it, right? I mean, the car's got a mind of its own, and uh, we like to say all of these electronics are faster, quicker, better, and smarter than, than the human brain sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you talk about the safety aspect of this particular technology, but I wanted to bring it more big picture for Mini, as, uh, mini on the whole, <laughs> Mini on the whole, uh, which is you guys have always been known to have incredibly safe, as Mark said, rigid, strong vehicles. And I think when people are looking to buy a car and they see a small car, sometimes that's one thing that scares them off is, well, can I feel safe in a smaller vehicle? And a Mini, of course, being one of the smaller vehicles you can get. But people should not worry about that because Mini has also been one of the safest brands for a lot of years now. Yeah, we've definitely had um, our fair share of, of awards, which we're very proud of in terms of, uh, you know, the Euro NCAP awards and it's a crash safety test, those types of things. Um, our countrymen in particular for the entire uh, life cycle of its previous generation won the NHTSA um, top safety pick each year, year after year. We have our new generation countrymen, uh, which has yet to go through the testing, but fingers crossed, we have uh, very high hopes for that expectation. Um, but yeah, as I said, the, the safety, I mean, the underpinnings of this vehicle benefit from, uh, you know, our shared technologies with the BMW group. And what I love to, to sort of talk about sometimes is, you know, people... Um, have come to know some of the BMW terms like DSC, Dynamic Stability Control, uh, AS, ASC plus T, Automatic Stability Control plus Traction, and all of these kind of catchphrases that people know from the BMW world. And we're really proud to say that many has had all of those safety systems in every single one of our models, regardless of entry level or high end on the, on the spectrum, um, really since we relaunched the brand in 2002. So it's Safety's always been a core concern for us. Of course, we know the perception, small car, not as safe. So that's always been a, a core consideration for us. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm going to take this a different direction for a second. Is this the first year that you guys have introduced the plug-in hybrid? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be 2017, <laughs> and we'll have a plug-in hybrid in our new, our new countryman. Both Deb and I are very excited. I've, I've had the pleasure um, of driving that car uh, as my daily driver for a couple weeks, and uh I can't tell you how excited I am for this car to finally come to market uh, in the month of June, actually. 
You know, it's funny because so many people, uh, when I talk to people about what cars they're getting, um, whereas four or five years ago, the idea of a plug-in hybrid seemed kind of far-fetched still because they weren't, I think the, I guess the feeling was that, you know, these days people are just designing cars and, and they're adapting them to being hybrid or electric. So the car, the essence of the car really doesn't go away. And I've noticed that you've done the same, whereas you look at years past and people were trying this whole futuristic approach, which I think worked against the brand. What has your approach been? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're going to see the, the story of uh, electrification evolve with the mini brand, as I mentioned, being, being urban uh, is a big part of our, of our nature. And uh, we're starting with the plug-in hybrid on the Countryman, and uh, it makes a lot of sense to do it on a, on a bigger product first because you do have to have the space for um, a traditional petrol-powered uh, engine, and you also have to have an electric-powered engine, and the Countryman allows that. And the beautiful thing with the Countryman uh, plug-in hybrid is that you don't have to make sacrifices. The, um, the storage capacity is, is, is very minimally diminished. Um, you don't lose any of the uh, practicality that an SUV mini brings you. But the beauty, beautiful thing is you, you get great um, urban driving. Um, you can be silent. You don't have to um, have any emissions. And the, the story I tell everybody in, in the week, if I can bore you with this story, is hmm. I, I live in Toronto and obviously I spend a lot of time uh, downtown, but our office is about 20, 20 to 25 kilometers north of the city with a little bit of traffic getting to and from the city. And uh, I was getting to and from my house to work and at our head office here, our, our BMW Group head office, um, we've got charging stations. So I would wake up in the morning, unplug from my uh, very long extension cord, and then I would hop in my car, go to work, plug in, uh, and go home, and I didn't use any gas for an entire week doing my daily commute. And I think, as you hinted at, like, it's, it's not a fad, it's not a, it's, it's when you drive the product, and I'd encourage your listeners to do this, like, go out and do a test drive in one of these plug-in hybrids, and I'd love you to choose the Mini Countryman, but when you drive it and you don't hear an engine, and you've got great power, and you can beat faster cars off of the line, you realize that the electric movement isn't a fad. It's not a concept that's going away. And uh, if you can have an experience in that product, you'll really realize where the future is going, and Mini's embracing that, and we're starting with the plug-in hybrid, the Countryman, and some models uh, to come thereafter. You know, Andrew, you beat me to the punch because I was going to say the real win, the real takeaway here is the driver is no longer being punished for driving a plug-in hybrid. You're not driving a plug-in hybrid. You're driving a mini plug-in hybrid, and that makes all the difference yeah. in the world, I'd imagine. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, like I, I talk a lot about smiles and uh, and fun when I, I talk about our product. And uh, the thing I, I loved about driving the plug-in hybrid is even if um, you've used up all of your electri- electricity uh, or your electric engine, and you're having to drive petrol um, with the Cooper engine, um, if you need an extra burst of speed, um, if you're driving, you have to do a highway avoidance move, um, you get e-boost, and boom, it hits you that quickly, and you get really fast acceleration. So all elements that is at the core of our brand, which uh, Deb and I both talked about at length, which is pure driving fun, um, you get that with the plug-in hybrid. So no sacrifices. You spend less money on uh, on fuel, which is a good thing. You don't hurt the environment. You're thinking about the future, and you get the hell of a fun drive at the yeah. same time. I'm all for that. I am definitely all for that. Guys, I, I wish we'd had like two more hours to talk to you about all the cars, but uh, instead what we're going to do is I'm actually getting behind the wheel of, uh, of one of them in a couple weeks from now. I'm so jealous right now. You have no idea. Forget about Mitchell. And uh, <laughs> and then I'd love to talk to you guys again down the road, you know, talk about how things are evolving, especially as that plug-in hybrid comes released. But I want to thank you for joining us. This has been an awesome time with you guys. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Now, back to your tech report. Welcome back on Twitter. Follow along. It is at your tech report. Facebook.com slash your tech report. Of course, YouTube.com slash your tech report. If you want to check out our Belkin Thunderbolt Express Dock review, it is right there. YouTube.com slash your tech report. If you want to get in on the giveaway for those very cool Beats X headphones, YouTube.com slash your tech report. All you got to do is subscribe to the channel. 
Make a little comment on that video. Make Mitchell all giddy because he counts those numbers and wants to know <laughs> who's going to win. Uh, Mitchell, I can't wait yeah. to get my my hands on that mini. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, 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 it took everything I had not to be just a shameless person and just say, you know what? You got to get one cent to Los Angeles. There's a dealership right near me. I can just go down the street. Just say the word. I'll go pick one up. It's I'm incredible. Sure I can't wait to drive one myself. For like 10 minutes or so. I know that's me. They'll let you test drive one for 10 minutes or so if you go there. But, but no, I want to hold on to it for more than 10 minutes. <laughs> Don't laugh, because you that, that's the laugh of I'm getting one oh. and you're not. Ha-ha. I'm going to work on this for you. I promise I'm going to work on this for you. And we are <sighs> upping our, our car coverage. So uh, very cool cars coming up via the Volkswagen Atlas. Um, some very cool stuff. So thank you for sticking around. Again, follow along with us on Twitter. It is at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report. Get in on that giveaway. Very cool show lined up for next week. We're going to keep the giveaway going for about, uh, I don't know, a week, week and a half. Sound good? Yeah, I think that's about right. You don't want to make it go too long because then it drags on, but not too short, so everyone has a chance to enter. Full WWDC coverage on next week's show. Thank you for joining us for another week of Your Tech Report. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.